This is Tiger Hall. Many tech companies start out in Silicon Valley and then go global. Far fewer companies start in Asia and then become globally competitive businesses. Hi, I'm Nelly Wartoft, CEO of Tiger Hall, and I founded Tiger Hall in Singapore. We were initially an Asia-focused business, and as we've grown and evolved, our biggest presence is now in the US, closely followed by Europe and the Asia Pacific. So my focus has been on building a globally competitive business from Asia. And my guest today is Hari Krishnan, CEO of Property Guru, which is Asia's biggest online property company. And I want to hear his thoughts on building a globally competitive business from Asia, just as he has done as well. Let's go. All right. So Harry, you're the CEO of a super successful company built in Asia for Asia, but also being very globally competitive. Property Guru, which is a company I've used to find all my apartments that I've ever lived in in Singapore. So very, very good product for the region. When you're thinking about Property Guru from a global perspective and being founded in Asia, start in Asia, what are the unique advantages and let's say challenges that Asian companies face when striving for that global competitiveness? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think for us, obviously, as you pointed out, our universe is really Southeast Asia. It's not even all of Asia. And I think some of that is informed by, you know, where we were founded. Some of it is informed by my past experience. I've been part of a lot of global companies. And I found, in my opinion, many global companies are not truly global in the sense that their products may be available everywhere, but they're really optimized for a few markets. So they may exist in other markets, but it's a suboptimal experience for the customers, the users, whatever. And that I found frustrating. Very often, those companies came from other parts of the world into Asia, and their products were not there. You know, there was always criticism around pricing and, you know, could you extract the most value? And I always think of value as a continuum. You create value, your customers perceive that value, and that gives you permission to capture some of that value. But you can't just skip to the end. You have to first start by creating value. And I think with Property Guru, we definitely think about it in that lens. We think about how do we create the maximum value? I think with real estate and PropTech specifically, there are no global companies. The companies that are in the US don't exist in Canada. The companies that are in Australia don't exist in New Zealand. So people don't even make the logical jumps to the sort of the logical adjacencies, if you like. The fact that we exist in four countries and our market leaders in all of them, we are in Singapore, Malaysia, Vietnam, and Thailand. I'd say three out of those four, we have compelling solutions that create serious value. Uh, we're able to capture some of that value as well. Customers perceive that value, tell us that explicitly in many cases. But I think when we think about our strengths, we definitely recognize that Asia's got some interesting opportunities. When you think about the mega trends we serve, there are three of them. There is urbanization, emergence of the middle class, and digitization, right? There are three of those. But if you think about the Western world, if you think about the United States, the UK, for example, urbanization and the emergence of the middle class happened maybe 100 years ago, maybe 50 years ago. Digitization started maybe 20 years ago, 25 years ago. In our part of the world, all those three things happen concurrently. That creates unique challenges, but it also means, and I often share this story, we're not on the same curve. So don't assume that in maturity, we'll look like you. In maturity, we'll look very different from you. It's not better or worse. We're just different. Our mobile product may be significantly better than yours. Our other products in your eyes may look very, you know, substandard or, you know, the UI may look very different. You may find them cluttered versus our guys feel like your UI lacks all useful information. It's solving for the customer. Customer has to drive that. And I think that's the most important thing. 
And for us, the strengths of Asia are the youth. Diversity comes baked in. You know, in the West, we talk a lot about diversity or we need diversity. If you keep gender out of it, if you think about ethnicity, diversity, true diversity of thought, Asia gets it for free. You don't have to work that hard to get it. Uh, it it's very, very easy. I mean, gender and some other things, definitely you have some challenges. But if you look at some of the other dimensions, you have some advantages. Also, by and large, if you look at countries like Vietnam, India, etc., very youthful, much younger than the Western world. Some of these cultures, though, if you think about China, you think about Japan, you think about Korea, you think about India, they take a very long-term view. The companies think in 10s, 20s, 50s, hundreds of years. They think of continuum in that way. They remember when Asia was the center of the world, you know, what, a few hundred years ago. And they believe in the next 50, 100 years, Asia will be the center of the world again. And so when you think about those kind of time apps, for example, the US doesn't think that way because they've never experienced that. This is the first time they're, they're at the top. And that's, that's an interesting opportunity. But I'd say the most important distinction is Asia, particularly at a time like this, where it feels pretty bleak in many places. Asia is the place where I see the most hope. It's the most aspirational part of the world. People here really believe things can only get better. And that is beautiful. When you're building a business here, when you're having tough days, you just have to talk to a young employee who, for the first time, can afford to buy a car or is the first generation that has gone to the university or is buying a house. That's an amazing thing. It's not just a story. It is the world we live in here. And I think that is powerful stuff. Yeah, that's so true. I also love the energy and the mentality in Asia. It's like everything can only go upwards. Like the West is, everything is going downhill, right? Everything is getting worse. Everyone is worse off than their parents. And in Asia, it's the opposite movement. And that is very great environment to be in. And I like this point of the local localization and the power of that. And a follow-up question to that. Like, what do you think is the power of localization? Because like, do you think it's customer preference and like understanding the local customer? Do you think it's things like regulations? Is it local relationships, access to better local talent, some cultural understanding? What really drives that local competitiveness? Because we've seen that happening over and over again in ride hailing and food delivery and many of these digital natives where US companies have completely failed in Asia and local companies have done really, really well. Okay, there are a couple of lenses with which I approach this. In a previous job, I was in online travel. That's the birth of e-commerce in India. Very, very young. It's definitely the birth of online travel at that point. And we were trying to replicate what was happening with the very best online travel companies out of Europe and the US. And, you know, from a UI UX perspective, we got some of that. I used to run product and marketing in those days. And then somewhere along the way, I got this insight about our customers. Asia, in that case, India, but I can actually make the statement broadly. Asia is a culture where respect is one of the foremost values that is there. And if you think about respect, one of the elements and how it manifests is service. It's not a coincidence that the very best airlines, the very best hotel chains come out of Asia. It's because it's part of the culture. It is not about convenience. It's about service. So again, uh, in the spirit of storytelling, I used to tell people, I still are investors in that company. I said, I used to live in the US and they literally have a company where you give people planks of wood and they'll build their own home. It's all about self-service. I'm talking about Home Depot <laughs> and convenience, of course. Uh, I was trying to make a point. And the point I was trying to make was, even if someone was a skilled carpenter, this element of service and respect would mean that there's an expectation of someone participating in that journey in Asia. So I'd say when you're building businesses in Asia and localization, you have to first understand this very important cultural nuance of respect and building relationship. You know, people talk about Japan as an extreme saying, I've got to spend so much time building the relationship before I can build a business. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Why are you in such a rush? You know, I would challenge that assumption and say, 
aren't you building a business to last? Are you a fly-by-night operator? I mean, I know not to be too aggressive about it. But I think the other part I would talk about is definitely this element of effectiveness versus efficiency. I think in a world where the most remarkable company in the world was Google, which was about you know, 15, 20 years ago, I still think they're a remarkable company. But when they were dictating the zeitgeist, how people should evolve their businesses, the mantra was all about efficiency. How do you scale? Scalability. Scale this everywhere. Take it, prove it in one place and then scale it. Take it everywhere. I think the mantra has evolved a bit to effectiveness. And what I mean by effectiveness is, does it solve the customer's problem? Answer that question first. Then ask yourself, can you do it scalably? And here I put uh, the example of Airbnb, actually. Airbnb realized very early on that to get high quality images was actually paramount to driving trust on their platform for guests to come in, for hosts to uh, represent themselves in the right way. But most hosts aren't their professional photographers. So they started impaneling these photographers in each city. And they said, if you're a new host, we'll take free photographs of your house so that it represents it the right way. It'll be staged the right way, right photographing, right lighting, all of that. And overnight, a huge success. What's the challenge with that? That cannot be scaled. It's a, it's a physical photographer coming to your place. How is it scaled? It's scaled a little bit through economics. They bake it into the economics of their business model. But what they didn't lose sight of is, first and foremost, am I serving the customer well? Am I serving the host? Am I serving the guest well? And I like to remind myself of that because even if I can't find a way to scale it, if I'm solving the customer's problem first, I am being more effective. And I think localization involves all of that. But your question, you know, all all the nuances of it, I would definitely say understanding your customer is the starting part of it rather than just understanding how can I scale it. That is true. And it's hard to understand a customer that is on the other side of the world that you're not knowing how they live their daily life and so on, right? It's very difficult to understand. Exactly. If you don't have a shared lived experience, it's very hard to to actually build a perfect product. You can build maybe an adequate product. You won't be able to understand all the nuances of it. Yeah. And the customer empathy is also not there, right? Like not understanding what they're going through. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, sorry to so rudely interrupt, but I just wanted to let you know that this is a Tiger Hall podcast. Tiger Hall is the world's leading social learning platform, and we have hundreds of interviews just like this with amazing senior business leaders from around the world. These can all be accessed via the Tiger Hall app, which is free to download. You get free content every month and new stuff is uploaded every workday. I hope to see you there. And do you think in the global business landscape, has it changed over the years to be a bit more inclusive of companies originating from Asia in recent years? I think it has happened subtly. I don't think we've had a conversation about it globally, but it's happened subtly. As more and more Asian brands, Asian cultural elements have become part of our conversation and driven the narrative. So everything from you know the, the content our children or our youth consume, so you know, K-pop, Bollywood, music, Pokemon, all of that comes out of Asia. And people are consuming it globally. People are rating the very best airline very often as Singapore Airlines. And, you know, many other Asian airlines are dominating those rankings. You are seeing Singapore run large fintech festivals. They say it's the largest fintech festival in the world. You're seeing them being at the forefront of things like agri-tech, even though there are no farms really in our small island, uh, island nation. And as you step out into countries like, you know, over the last 20 years, China has been the economy that has driven the world. The conversation today is increasingly about uh, India from an economic standpoint uh, and the opportunities it provides, uh, not just from its demographic, but what it's doing for the world. And I think all of this has resulted in people 
beginning to recognize that. But I don't think there's been a, a, a an overarching, oh, you know, Asia is doing this. I, there are some people who talk about the Asian century and such, but I think it's happened more organically. Yeah, and I also think the um, diversity and inclusion aspect has kind of helped with it because I was very pleasantly surprised when we launched Tiger Hall in the US about 18 months ago. I thought this Asia heritage and Singapore headquarters and all of that would be a great disadvantage for us because people would be like, oh, like, this is not American. Like, I don't understand it, right? But actually, many of our customers said the opposite. They were like, oh, we love that you're Asia-based. We love that you have influencers from all over the world. And we love that we can learn from people in other countries. And that was 180 degrees opposite to what I had expected coming into those conversations. And I know many people who are listening to this conversation will be based in Kentucky and Texas and California and appreciate that they can learn from a leader in Southeast Asia, right? So it seems to be moving in a very positive direction in, in just my direct experience. At the highest level, you know, people are looking for happiness everywhere, everywhere in the world. And a lot of the brands and uh, the energy coming with those companies into the outside world is filled with hope and in many cases, happiness. That's attractive to anyone. Doesn't matter where you're from. You're attracted to a happy, hopeful message from anywhere. And so the fact that Pokemon is Japanese does not matter. That kid in Kentucky is going to play it. It's fun. It's easy. I don't have to think too much about it. The fact that TikTok came out of, <laughs> I'm let's keep the political elements out of it. There's no denying how it swept over the world. The fact that it came from China and it's headquartered out of Singapore, actually, is a Singaporean company, is irrelevant. It's a great product for me because it's hopeful, it's nice, and it's fun, and it's happy. And the same applies to, you know, more sort of everlasting brands, like I said, like Singapore Airlines. Again, there's a sense of happiness, and they're not cynical people. It smells nice on the aircraft, and the people look nice. And happiness and hope, these are powerful things. These are powerful emotions. Oh, that's so true. What are some of your favorite Asian success stories or companies coming out of Asia besides TikTok and Pokemon? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I will start with Pokemon. I think it's interesting. You know, I, I discovered Pokemon in the early 90s. My cousin actually, he's American. He was growing up in the US. He's much younger than me. When he visited me, I, I was living in India at the time. He showed up with Pokemon. I'd never heard of Pokemon. And he was talking about the Pokemon cards and all of that. And he was, he was very young. It was 20, 25 years later, I've got kids. And my younger one, my 11-year-old son, he loves Pokemon. Pokemon has managed to somehow reinvigorate itself for what you might consider an ephemeral, you know, thing that disappeared. There's so many things we grew up with which just disappeared. Each generation has toys or things that sort of entertainment platforms that disappear. Pokemon, to the credit, as a company, have reinvented themselves. Things like Pokemon Go swept over the world a few years ago, of course. But I think Pokemon as a brand has done a great job. The two others I'd call out, I'd say, I'd actually call out the Tata Group out of India for values-driven leadership. They are the organization which has done the largest amount of philanthropy of any organization in the world, which people don't realize. So, I mean, they've been doing it for 100 plus years, but their founder was a well-known philanthropist. And that organization is values-driven, has built some of the highest value organizations, not just for India, but it's actually shaping the world. Data Consultancy Service and, and a bunch of other companies that have come out of that. And then I would think about Singapore Airlines, which is synonymous with quality. I mean, I remember getting on a plane in Newark, New Jersey. I was flying back, longest flight in the world, <laughs> Newark to Singapore nonstop. And I was getting on the plane. And as soon as I got off the air bridge and got on the plane, the sight of those orchids, the, the scent, the smiling faces that greeted me, maybe two airlines I can think of in the world, where as soon as you get on the airline, you're in that country. I stepped onto it and I was in Singapore. And... It was the quality of the experience and the service, again, that they provide. So I'd say Singapore Airlines, the Tata Group, and Pokemon for very different reasons. 
I loved Pokemon too. I was playing with Pokemon my entire childhood. So <laughs> I get you on that one. <laughs> there you go. And what about talent? Like talent attraction, retention, acquisition? Is that harder, you think, for like Asian homegrown brands? Is it difficult to compete at a global scale for local best talent? There are two parts there. I think if you're competing for Asian talent in markets which are fast growing and doing amazing things, there are amazing jobs being created. These are countries that are being built now, right? Unlike uh, some of the Western countries which were built a hundred years ago, and you talk about those generations as you know the, the the founding generations. This is the founding generation in those countries. So the way people approach jobs is very different. You know, people will often look cynically and say, "Oh, they're job hopping." Well, if you had a chance to change your job and get a 30% hike in your salary, I would wager you would consider it. And I think the fact is, in some of these countries, there are people who can change jobs every handful of years and basically increase their household income several fold, 5x, 10x. And that has to just be recognized. That's the context within which you're building your business. If you're in one of those countries, Vietnam, uh, India come to mind, uh, Philippines to some degree. But what doesn't change is people are looking to develop themselves. People do care about purpose. They do care about their own holistic development, not just salary <laughs> progression. And if you are able to engage with them at that level, in my experience, you can drive retention and engagement and all of that. When it comes to global talent, we have to recognize again that more and more young people out of Europe, out of the US, even out of Latin America and the Middle East, look to Asia as a great place to work. These are countries on the ascendancy. They create great life outcomes for some of these uh, younger people. They create great diverse experiences at the very least. Many people come and spend four, five, six years working out of Asia and then never go back. Uh, and in some cases, they go back, but they take a piece of Asia with them forever. And they often talk about the fact that they'll always be part Asian and they will continue to sort of wish you for Diwali or Chinese New Year or whatever, even though they are Finnish or Brazilian. And I think that's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. We learn about their culture too. So when they come over, all of those of us who are from Asia who are, or choosing to live in Asia, we benefit from them coming over and learning about their part of the world. And the more we understand each other in different parts of the world, I think it's only healthy. All these conflicts and these challenges, whether they're wars or trade wars, they're not good for anyone. It's, 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 it's a pity. Uh, and I think the best way to remedy that is through more understanding of individual people with each other. Yeah, I agree on the, the Asia part never leaves you, right? I, I lived in Asia for 13 years and up until today, people call me Swindian because I'm Swedish, but they call me like Indian, half Indian. So I'm officially Swindian <laughs> up until this day. <laughs> Very true. So wrapping up then some action steps for business leaders in Asia are looking to build globally competitive companies from Asia. What are some key steps that you recommend they go away and do after hearing this uh, conversation? I would say recognize the strengths you have, which are natively Asian. There are lots to learn from developed markets and some of the Western economies, lots to be learned. And that's a given. But I think where Asian leaders sometimes miss a trick is understanding what innate skills and strengths are there in their part of the world. So things like a focus on service and therefore the potential to create a much better customer experience than their Western peers is there. I'm not saying it's a given, but it's definitely something that's baked again into your ethos, into your culture. It's visceral. So you should be able to tap into it, not just for you, but your entire staff has it. You have the ability to work with a much younger, harder charging, aspirational workforce who want to do amazing things for themselves and therefore by extension for your company. If you can inspire them, give them a shared sense of purpose, 
give them a way to develop themselves, they will stay and they will build amazing things with you and you will benefit from it. And I think the final thing I was talking about is the diversity element. The fact is you are diverse and therefore you are also a bit of a beacon for talent around the world. People will move to you from the Ukraine or from Brazil or from Sweden and come to live there and develop themselves. Maybe they stay for a long time. In some cases, they stay forever. But I think these are opportunities where sometimes new Asian leaders thinking about a global company sort of approach the world more apologetically, almost making excuses for why they're, you know, within quotes, less developed than other parts of the world. I would say, think of it a little differently. Exactly. Less excuses, more strengths, because there is a lot of strength in many of those areas as well. There are always two sides to the coin, yeah. right? I always say start with your strengths. 100%. Start with your strengths. And that's what we're going to end with is to start with that. Thank you so much, Harry. This has been great. You've been listening to a Tiger Hall podcast. Quick favor. If you like this content, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new upload from us. And of course, if you're hungry for more, and why wouldn't you be, don't forget to download the Tiger Hall app for hundreds more just like this.